um, what does it feel like to be the fastest Funston in the world? <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Being slouches. Today on the couch, very special guest. This is this is a great one. Uh, uh, we've been chatting about it for a while. We have mm-hmm. uh, Scott Funston. Mm-hmm. Uh, good thing you said that right. Funston. Scott, I was here to correct him uh, if he messed that up. <laughs> on the couch today, coming in uh, remote... But uh, we'll we'll get to Scott here in just a moment. I know Brian is just just itching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time crunch athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com, checking Facebook and YouTube at Build Peak Compete and all up on that Instagram at BPC Performance and this podcast anywhere you find podcasts. All of them. All of them. Find them all. Yeah. And as always, we appreciate any ratings, reviews, comments, mm-hmm. likes, shares, all that jazz. Hit the bells, hit the thumbs, whatever yeah, they are. Whatever. Cool. All right. So, like I said, I know Brian's been uh, itching for this one. Yeah. So uh, we uh we, we gotta I gotta kinda lead off first with a funny story uh, about uh about going to Cyclocross Worlds. Uh-huh. Uh Scott, I just want you to know that Bryant was like stalking you most of the time, trying to find you <laughs> before the uh uh-huh. before the U twenty three race. Hey, and it's not common to meet another Funston. It's not. Not the most pop- popular last name around. I was, uh, well, okay, we'll get. So, for those of you that don't know, Scott Funston is our national U23 cyclocross champion. What are some other stats here? Uh, U.S. Pan Am champ. So, uh, yeah, he's just, he's dominating the North American uh, cyclocross world right now in the the U23 realms, um, making the jump to the elite uh, and did some elite racing. Um, raced against you know a lot of the the big names out there. Raced against Pitcock this year, um, you know. So he's he's uh, definitely a hitter. And uh, you know, I was watching a cyclocross race a couple years ago, uh, just live streaming one of the I think it was one of the nationals. And I hear him start saying Funston, and I was like, huh, Funston? And uh, so then Scott, that's when I uh, when I started trying to figure out who this guy was. And, uh, yeah, that all led to, to us going to Worlds, cheering you on. Um, and I think that's where, where Dale's going to go. So I've been wanting to interview for a while. Yeah. Um, my number one question will be coming up. but I've got a number Dale's, one question. Dale's got, Dale's got a story but, uh, uh, So we, we, we're rolling in, and the uh, – I don't know if it was the juniors or the U23s warming up. and, and um, It was the 18s, yeah. And, and Brian's like just yelling at every younger uh, <laughs> USA guy on a bike, going "Feinstein, Feinstein!" <laughs> Finally, one guy just whips around, uh-huh. and he comes back, and Brian starts talking to him, and then pro- I don't know, it's like five minutes later, he's like, "Oh, I'm not Scott Funson." <laughs> <laughs> Like, Clearly, I'd never seen Scott uh, up close. It's <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah. So there we go. So I'm going to lead this this conversation off, Scott, with mm-hmm. um, a very important question that I've been wondering. Um, what does it feel like to be the fastest Funston in the world? <laughs> oh, let's see. It's it's pretty decent uh, on a bike, at least. I know I've got a cousin that can beat me when we ran cross country against each other. So oh, definitely no, not out now, right. Fast. <laughs> but, but biking, it, it's good. Not, not too much competition. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I think Thank I've, you. I've, I've raced my dad a few times, but other than that, haven't had too much competition. <laughs> so do you think there's a chance we could get you out to Memphis just to put the straps to this guy, take him down a notch or two? The Funston first versus Funston. Mm-hmm. We'll get a GoFundMe going. Yeah. We'll, we'll put that. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's, it's, yeah, go Funston. Yeah, so uh, oh, I don't know. If there's if there was a race around, you know, I'd be I'd be down. But I think we we might have to make it happen <laughs> at some point. I mean, goal number one was to get you on the podcast. Now number two, we'll uh, head to head. We'll have to have a yeah, have mono, to have a throw. Just not in cyclocross. One thing <laughs> I will request: not cyclocross. <laughs> Well, let's dive into it, Scott. Uh, give us give us a little background uh, on you, where you grew up, how you got into uh, cycling, how you got into racing. Um, you know, you're in college now. Kind of the the steps that you got to getting there and winning your first you know U23 national championship this year. I grew up in Maple Valley, Washington. It's southeast of Seattle, about an hour outside of downtown Seattle. Got into bikes through my dad. He raced cross and mountain like the cat three sport level not not too crazy into it but he enjoys riding bikes and then he kind of got me onto the bmx track when i was really young i think six is when i did my first race oh wow about when i was nine or ten i started kind of transitioning into cyclocross and mountain bike and away from the the bmx stuff and i've i've loved it so i you know just the kind of continual progression 13 14 maybe some fun workouts with teammates and then 15 i got a coach and every year just a little more training more volume and yeah now i'm at the collegiate level racing uh uci stuff and i was yeah racing with usa cycling many throughout my 17 18 u23 years now so what uh what got you like hooked on cyclocross Hooked on cyclocross. Well, around here, it's kind of crappy weather during the, the cyclocross season. It rains a lot. And it's maybe not so fun to go ride a road or mountain bike. But I think you suit up for a cross race and you ju- just go rally for 45 minutes to an hour in the mud. And then you take a shower afterward. I think it's I think it's super, super fun. I don't know too much else what to say. I <laughs> Was there I, like a specific moment? I think I like the variety of it too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, a, a I can't fo- think of a moment. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, 45 minutes of slinging it in the mud does sound a lot better than like a four-hour group ride on the on the road. Yeah. When it's raining. For sure. This, uh, this Funston uh, took himself out of mountain biking after crashing himself out uh, just yeah. about every race. Yeah. So yeah. he's... <laughs> He does enough damage to himself on the road uh, in straight lines to... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, how is the road scene up in the uh, Pacific Northwest? Well, I haven't been involved in it that much, especially since I've been in college, but wow. from my understanding, it's not great. Gotcha. It's, I mean, they're racing right now in March and April, and then you get to like June and there's... There's a couple of midweek series races. They've got like a Tuesday and a Thursday, okay, uh, different race series. But on the weekend, not really much going on. Not not too many heavy hitters gotcha. coming out of there yeah. here these days. So yeah, it's it's kind of a, a pretty small bit of a dying scene, unfortunately. Yeah, here here in Memphis, the the cyclocross scene uh, is is pretty small as well. Most of the people that'll be listening to this are going to be you know, your road, your roadie or your triathlete. So get for the person who has no clue what cyclocross is. Could you like, what, how, how do you describe it to someone who maybe has never, never heard of what you do, uh, what your sport is? Let's see. I think, I think one of the descriptions that I like is, is steeplechase on a bike. That's kind of a fun description. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's what I do is an hour long race and you start on pavement and it's just mass start. You go all out. It's around parks, so grass, dirt, pavement, mud, snow, whatever is is going on, and you just race around six to ten minute uh, lap, and you just do as many laps as it is to get to roughly an hour, and then yeah, it's a good balance of like intensity, endurance. I think it's one of the most athletic of the cycling disciplines with, so there's, there's barriers and run-ups that you have to dismount and run up. And then just the, 
the technical aspects. There's there's been some tactics in there. Yeah. So <clears throat> I've always uh, I, I've raced some cross over the years, and um, like on a mass start event like that, how hard are those starts? Oh gosh, they're they're pretty pretty brutal. It's <laughs> it kind of depends on the 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 course and the the field but it's it's all out you're i'm not, i'm hitting almost pa- like peak power down yeah. where i am i'm putting out max power it's probably better or probably better power numbers than what i would do in in a sprint at the end of the race yeah, sure. and i know like i think we did a race it was it was low and how in belgium and that start straight away was probably close to 300 meters long and so that's a 20, 25 second effort. And like something special about that was like, you, you have an initial kick off the line Uh and, but you can't like just stand out sprint for 25 seconds. And so it was like 10 seconds on five seconds, still hard, but not sprinting. And then you like sprint it again. And then you chilled a little bit. And then right before the first corner, you like sprinted a third time. So it's, they're really <laughs> aggressive efforts. <laughs> and then you have, uh, 50, 59. Yeah, exactly. You still have 59 and a half minutes yep. left. Yeah. That's one thing I, yeah, yep. I've done a little bit of, of cyclocross. And that's one thing that like, when I get done with it, t- talking to other people, it's like, you don't, or at least the way I've raced it, it's like, there was no chance to really recover. You, you were pegged. And your heart rate just stayed pegged the whole time. It was almost like a time trial, but with all this other stuff happening uh, with it. Not like a crit where you can, you know, you can find times to relax, draft, and it's it seemed a little easier. But man, cyclocross was like full gas and then heart rate pegged. Yeah, and then just suffer through it. Yeah, we had a little bit of a we had a cyclocross scene here maybe like eight to ten years ago. We had we had some pretty good even weekday cross races and. <laughs> Uh, it was, it was pretty solid for a little while. It's just, it's harder. Uh, it's hard to, we had such a big road scene that it's hard to get people to go from one season straight into cyclocross and then right back into road. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not quite as big. So how do you, how would you warm, like what's your warm up look like for, for an event that's going to start so hard? I think I'm a 30 to 40 minute warm up. Okay. It's with a few efforts in there. Uh, I mean, I'll also pre-ride the track the day of, so I'm, I'm getting close to an hour of riding before, but you know, I'll probably pre-ride and then go change. And, but yeah, the actual, like on the trainer warm up, I would say 30 to 40 minutes. And it kind of depends on the situation. Something I've got into this week or this year was like on the, we race, we always race Saturday, Sunday, at least at the big ECI weekends. It's two races, pretty much same course, same venue. And when we get to Sunday, I'm really just spinning the legs, just getting them open. Like the, the day before got that, that that's a whole hour race is, is plenty of openness. So I just got to kind of get them moving again. But Saturday, I'll definitely throw some efforts in there. Um, try and do some efforts on the course, maybe not even like, not like a full hot lap or even like a minute on or anything more just like, Oh, this is a tricky section. I want to hit this at race speed and hitting it at race speed is going to get my, my heart rate up plenty high. So when you are pre-riding a course, what are you, what are you looking for? Are you looking for, you know, spots where it's going to be hard spots? You can, you can make a move. Like how do you kind of approach a, a course preview ride? I'm looking at a lot of things. It's, I mean, at the start of the lap, I'm trying to figure out, where the holes are going to be, where I think people are going to go, where I can make moves off that start in the first like three, five corners. And then, yeah, the tricky technical sections, I'll stop and session those several times, try different lines. If try running, especially with cycle cross, if there's a section that's iffy on whether you can ride, at least try it. So if the person in front of you messes up or what you, you know, what's going on with that. And then, yeah, some t- a little bit of tactics, like where I'm going to make an attack. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into a pre-ride. And luckily, I normally get 
three or so laps in on a course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, for you, what is the, what's the Scott Funston ideal course? Course and conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Conditions for sure. Mud, uh, mud. pretty like much any type of mud. Yep. I do. It's, <laughs> I like to, to so run. You probably to didn't like the world. The, the uh, you, you were probably hoping it was going to rain more, uh, for the world's event this year, huh? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Worlds was not, not my favorite course. It was, yeah. I don't know. I liked it more than, than I think some, some people are like, ah, it's horrible and this and that. And I thought it was okay. I def I would have designed it differently. I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I see that and I'm like, man, they had a blank slate and like a blank check and this is what they yeah. came up with. I think they could have, could have done some stuff differently, but it, it was still a, it was a cyclocross course and it produced some very worthy winners. Um, so as what, far what, as like, let's just dive into that real wise. quick. What, what would you have, uh, okay. liked to have seen or what would you have liked to have seen changed? Oh, some off camber stuff. I personally wouldn't have put such the bit, such a big hill in. I mean, that, that was a huge oh, effort. We were talking climb. a whole oh minute gosh. from the, from the bottom to the top, which for cyclocross, that's a, that's a really long effort. That's kind of a unique effort. I haven't seen that many just straight open sections like that and then yeah i would have just put in a lot of off cambers um i mean if they were moving dirt i think the roller whoop sections that they make in europe are always fun yeah, oh so yeah those are always i would cool. throw in one of those in but yeah so, like we i think before the event we heard that they were gonna try and add a loop in behind the the stairs like rather than getting to the top of the stairs and turning left and just bombing yeah. straight down that hill they were gonna like do an off camber or something like i think if you would have approached oh, that, that hill cool. right you could have had just a a natural run up up the side with yeah. without the need for stairs and so yeah. i would have just How, tried to like all those stairs? do some stuff like that the stairs are okay um it was it was kind of weird. The the last the, the flight at the top when it went from the big to the small yeah, stairs, yeah. they were kind of kind of weird spacing that were they were messing with me a little bit, but I figured it out. Okay. And I mean, it wasn't a bad feature, but yeah, it was a lot of stairs. It was a mind. lot of stairs. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's let's go ahead and get back to the ideal Scott Funston course. So conditions: muddy, sloppy, nasty. Mm-hmm. As far as like course course features, what what's your go to? definitely more technical um and i think as far as power sections like shorter sections if they're only 15 seconds long or even 10 seconds long that that really plays to my advantage i don't have a ton of sustained long-term power so like i said that world's climb just was i think it was a little long for my power profile but that's cyclocross and got to got to deal with long straightaways like that and i think short punchy hills i really like too and of course that just requires you to get on and off your bike a lot i think some people struggle to to find flow with that where i i don't really it's it comes natural to me to as soon as as soon as i'm starting to lose that momentum just get off and then hop back on when it it's the right time a lot of rhythm change Mm mm-hmm that was one thing about the world's course that I was a little disappointed in was the lack of barriers. I mean, besides the run up. Yeah. I mean, there really wasn't a reason to get off their bike. I mean, unless I'm, I mean, I walked the whole course. Yeah. Um, yeah. It I seemed mean, like a big power, a big power course for sure. So yeah, are you, yeah, are, they, are I you can, a big fan of barriers? I mean, I like them. I can hop forties. So it's, oh, it's an advantage to me at, you know, Pan Am's. There was other guys hopping, but there was Dale people can, in the group Dale that weren't. And... Drink 40s, but he can't hop 40s. <laughs> That's the extent of Dale's 40s, 40s ability. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on. Um, we got to chat about the, like, so back-to-back weekends. You essentially win the Pan Am, and then the following weekend, correct, is you take down the USA U23 National Championship. Those are those are essentially back-to-back wins. Was that something that was a big goal of yours going into the season, um, or were you looking more towards, say, the World Championships? Like, how did you approach this year? And then, and then overall, what's your happiness level with how everything shook out this year for you? Yeah, Worlds was goal number one, and then 
nationals and Pan Ams were the goal, the two goals underneath it. Um, I guess the goal at Worlds being a top ten, which okay. I was seventeenth for those that don't know. So yep. I was I was short of that, but it was it was a good it was a it was a great experience at Worlds regardless. But yeah, the the Pan Am Nationals week that was that was chaotic. It was flew to Dallas, raced Pan Ams, flew back to Grand Junction where I go to school. Was there for I don't know. It was like thirty six or forty eight hours. Went to a day of school, then flew out with my collegiate team to race nationals, and I raced the collegiate varsity race on Thursday, team relay Friday, and then U twenty three nationals on Sunday. And so that was that was a lot of racing in one week. Uh, luckily, I kind of kind of strive off a lot of racing. I think it. I think I like race into shape really well and gotcha. it went well it was yeah. it was a little stressful with school because finals week was the week after so gotcha. i was finishing up homework and getting ready for tests and such so yeah it was it was a lot but luckily bike racing at least cyclocross you only race for an hour a day and the rest wow. of it you just kind of do a lot of sitting around so <laughs> have time to study did you did you know you were coming into good form heading into that that week, or were were you surprised by how the f- the fitness was? Uh, or kind of give us a run through there. Yeah, it was. I mean, I knew I was one of the favorites. I de- demonstrated that all season long. Yeah, and I wouldn't say I was burning super super hot. I think two weekends three weekends before pan ams i raced colorado state champs and i had i had a good saturday race but then i really struggled on sunday and so i think that was the last race before pan ams and so that was a little bit of a bummer but i knew i'd i think i knew it was like just an off off race and Mm -hmm. so i had i had two whole weeks to to prepare for pan ams after that and yeah i was i was confident and then after the pan ams win it, it gave me a ton of confidence for nationals and then the collegiate nationals, you ended up, you were second, is that correct? So very close to, yep. to racking up three, <laughs> three national championships in, uh, in one week. Yeah, I was, I was close. It was, it was kind of a bummer. It was, I just had a bit of an off day and then had a little crash and dropped a chain and that allowed, uh, Tyler Orschel who won to, to sneak away and wasn't wasn't going to get it back from there but the team won the the weekend so that's that's what really matters to me so it's all good oh that's awesome so like being in college and balancing everything you know we have a a lot of our listeners and the athletes that we coach are you know full-time full-time jobs or you know stuff like that uh so as far as like balancing everything like what is a what does a typical week look like for you? And like, what kind of things do you like make sure you have to do in order to balance your high level of training with everything else going on in life? Yeah. For those, for those that don't know, he's, he's just finishing up his engineering degree. So it's not like he's been at college, uh, doing underground, uh, underwater basket weaving. Right. So engineering degree, plus all the travel, plus the racing, plus the training. I mean, so you're, you're balancing a lot of stuff. Uh, so go ahead and, just giving some context there to the fact that, that there is a lot going on in your life. Yeah. The fall was, was crazy. I had, had a lot going on. I mean, in the, in the middle there, when I raced some world cups, I just straight didn't show up to school for a week and raced my bike for an entire week instead. And then, like I said, that like Pan Am's nationals right at the end of the semester, I was gone a lot. So just trying to work with, with teachers, I think, Something nice about the pandemic is teachers are familiar with Zoom. Everyone knows how to use it now. And I've at least one of the classes that I had that I missed the most classes of because it was luckily I have Fridays off. So traveling on a Friday, don't miss any school. But coming back Monday after a Saturday, Sunday weekend, I'm going to miss definitely some class there. But luckily, one of my teachers was kind enough to put lectures that I'd miss up on Zoom. Oh, nice. And yeah, so that was that was really helpful. Trying to do a little homework while traveling is it's it's challenging, but when you've got a two hour layover, if I can bust out half an hour in the airport, that's always nice. And then, yeah, tr- as far as like being home and training and going to school, 
just trying to find those blocks. It's trying to set up my schedule as nice as I can to either be done early in the day or have like a four or five hour block in the middle of the day where I can go train. This semester has been really nice. Previous semesters haven't been. I remember like having three hours to eat lunch and do a two hour ride because that was like the only time I could take a class. And so my schedule ended up being that way. But I guess I'm lucky to, to be in college working full time and having to train at the end of the day is definitely be harder. I think the flexibility is really, really nice. It, I can kind of set my own pace. You know, I only have to be in class for like 13 hours a week. I've got a lot of homework outside of that, but that can get done kind of around training. You can be flexible there. So what kind of training volume yeah. did did you put in? So say you're kind of at peak volume on the year leading in toward towards those key events. What sort of what what's sort of your peak volume that you're doing? Peak volume would be around 20 hours, maybe not even that much. It's I don't do crazy hours and even then saying a 20 hour a week, 9 of those hours are probably on the weekend, which okay. is really nice. Yeah. And so yeah, I don't do I don't do crazy big volume and I actually took last summer off too. I didn't work or take any classes, so I was I was just living at my parents' house training basically. Nice. So are you doing any strength training? Not not really. Uh we do team core that I try to make it to once a week, uh that the road team does. I haven't been too great on it recently. But yeah, I don't do too much in the gym it's something i'm I'm looking at adding and me and my coach are kind of working working together to i've got kind of an interesting relationship with my coach so my coach works with my team like quote-unquote manager it is not like it's not like an official position but they're they're basically under the same coaching company so in a way i almost have like two coaches um and my team manager he he does strength training and so he's trying to get my my coach up to speed on it and stuff Excellent. such we would highly encourage it yes. we're all about that strength training yeah how much running do you do uh you know because there is an aspect of running to cyclocross so are, is that something you're actually formally working into a training week uh is that something you just say for certain parts of the season or or how do you how do you do that yeah throughout the i'm not running right now uh, I'm trying to kind of focus on some road here in the spring. So I think we're just trying to get, get some of that base power up to, up to snuff before yep. road season starts here in a couple days. Um, oh, a couple days. Nice. And yeah, yeah. First race is this Saturday. Oh, gotta, awesome. Got to fly back to Colorado, um, tomorrow. I'm in Washington right now. Got to fly home and then, or fly back and then race. Oh, cool. And so running yeah we work it in there when we can especially during the summer and early part of the cyclocross season and i know like as we noted that big stair set at worlds so in the few weeks leading up to worlds i was i did a few stair repeats uh just go to the 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 bleachers at the school and just just run up a a few times and try and recover on the way down did you do that with your bike on your shoulder i did not (laughs) I've done a few workouts like that in the past, but I didn't do it this time. <laughs> Got a, like a 45 pound dumbbell on your uh, shoulder. That'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as far as the actual run training, it's really low key. Uh, wow. It's just like 20 minute, maybe 30, just chill, easy runs most of the time to, to make sure the body, you know, is fluent with that motion and yeah. I'm not getting super sore or anything. Yeah, Especially kind of if I haven't run in several months, got to got to really ease into it. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. <laughs> We've had some 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 of the roadies that we coach will decide in the off season they want to do some run, like some running for cross training, and we're like, okay, your your lungs are good, your legs, although strong for the bike, are not used to that motion. So like yep. super chill, super short. Like don't let your lungs and heart be the determining factor on how far you go underdo it big time and they're still so mm-hmm. sore yep all right let's kind of dive back into this season um so you had i, I kind of want to get your input on so you're riding super strong great results beginning of december you had uh you end up heading overseas you had the great result i think it was at holst correct beginning of january um in that yeah that was race 
yeah, that was a weekend that was really good. The day before was was ball, and I got ninth in the E23 field there, which it wasn't wasn't super super deep, but I mean it was it had a lot of strong guys. The top five there were were all in the top ten at Worlds. Nice, yeah. And I was yeah, and so that was good. And then the next day was Holst, and that was that was a ride I was really really proud of. It was. I think I was battling for top 30. Uh, I think I was in the group going for 25th in an elite World Cup in Europe, which was honestly before the race, I was like, yeah, if I go top 40, they pay me some prize money. So like that would be cool. Like pay for <laughs> my to fly my bike back to yeah. the States would, yeah, yeah. would be cool. And then there I was like 15 spots higher than I than I thought I could be. So was that like a massive, massive confidence builder? How, how did that compare to even winning like the U23 Nats? Was that something like a, a big confidence boost or did you gain more from that national championship win? I think I gained more from national championship win just because it's notoriety. Yeah. But as far as like, I think long-term growth in the sport, it's it's definitely something that it almost like flipped a switch. It was like, hey, I think I can... I can really compete at the elite level in Europe at the, sure. at the biggest stage where before that, you know, I, I'd done top thirties at the world cups in the U S but they're not complete fields. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of earlier in the season. And, you know, I was, I was basically beating North Americans and maybe one or two European guys, but all, all the rest of the European guys were at the front where we're yeah. there in that race. I was truly like in the, in the thick of it, I was one of the top North Americans in that race. And yeah, I was just battling with the Europeans and I was like, wow, if I take a couple incremental steps in the next few years, like I could be top 20 in a world cup, you know, it was, it was yeah. something that like kind of opened my eyes to that potential. That's all we're going to, we're going to get into your longer term goals here in a little bit. Uh, but kind of keeping with this season, um, so you go from there, what, three weeks later or so is Worlds. That's yep. a long time uh, to try to stay on form. You know, being on good form beginning of December and carrying that all the way, you know, to the end of January. Is that something where you you were trying to be, I know you said Worlds was the kind of the big goal. Uh, was that something where, you know, the legs, the legs were firing at Worlds or did you start to feel the... Uh, you know, feel the races, feel the travel. Um, and you know, were you on peak form heading into worlds? I think I was, I was on solid form heading into worlds and the, it was, it was a solid day. It was, it was definitely no amazing day. Like I had in holes, but it was far from a bad day. That's for sure. The, the legs were there. Uh-huh. It, it, they, they weren't not there. That just wasn't a magical special day, which honestly I kind of knew to be top 10 in the world was going to take a really, really special day, especially yeah. after the, the European races I'd done. I'd, I'd had some success, but I was, I was ninth in two U23 races there, but they were kind of weaker fields when it was, when it was the world cups. I was, I was in the twenties. I, I felt like both those days I didn't have a, an amazing ride, but to, to go from top 20 to top 10 is a, is a significant jump. And oh, so, sure, yeah. yeah. And I mean, as far as like kind of keeping that form, I think I'd done like six races in probably two weeks in, in Europe during the curse period is what they call it. So I just had a ton, ton of top end and I came home and just rested really. I actually unfortunately got COVID on the the flight back, but it was, it was super chill. Yeah. I I was, I think on my third day stateside, I woke up and I was like, Oh, I'm a little sick. So I just took a a rapid and it was positive. So you ended up, getting COVID and then quarantining for, you know, the allotted amount of time. However, that was at the that CDC point. The guidelines. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and then, so after that, like, what did you, how did you feel after that? Like within, you know, in the days leading up to, to worlds? Yeah. I, I think I was cleared or like whatever symptom free. So I started riding. I took it pretty chill for the first like three days. But I mean, I was cleared up probably a week before, maybe I think 10 days I started riding and I'd only been off the bike for, for five or six days. And like I said, I'd, I'd raced 
six times or something in yeah. 14 days. And so I mean, I was the the engine was burning hot. I was going to take three or four days off regardless. And so the extra whatever three days that I ended up taking off wasn't wasn't too bad. And yeah, I I did a lot of training. I think that week before you asked me like what volume was i think it was like 18 or something so it was 18 in like seven or eight days i don't know i did like one big block yeah. um traditionally i just do like six i do like a normal week i take monday off and then train the rest of the week yeah so yeah it was it was a pretty solid bo- block of endurance and some intervals and i got a session in behind uh the scooter for motor pacing and so i felt i felt confident going in i was i yeah, the COVID was a bit of a bummer, but I think I kind of shrugged it off as well as I could and just okay. kept focused on the end goal. That wasn't really wasn't really in your head going into the into the race. No. Okay. What does, didn't really so this, plan on using it as an excuse or anything. <laughs> yeah. So what what does so a question we always get from our from our athletes uh, and and folks that we're coaching is you know, what, what should I eat the day before a race? What should I eat the morning of a race? Uh, do you have like a set thing that you go through or is it kind of like I I eat what's there? I mean, you are a college kid, so. Yeah, I'm big into the the Kodiak pancakes. I like that for Kodiak cake pancakes mix is what I do for, for the mornings. And that does me pretty well. Now I've got a, kind of expand uh now that i race in the afternoons all the time sandwiches for just like ham and turkey with whatever cheese they have and some mayo sandwiches for lunch normally or maybe yeah. some light pasta sort of dish is is always good uh some rice i like rice i don't not huge on like rice and eggs i don't know some people have like a specific yeah. thing that they do but for me it's more just generic um so that maybe will be if we like don't have pancakes i've done like yeah pretty much okay do you have like a set time that you don't eat prior to the race is it like i got to get my ham and cheese down roughly by 11 if i'm racing at two yeah roughly two and a half hours is for like a solid like meal if i'm gonna have like a whole sandwich i mean i'll have gels and blocks and that stuff right before the race and then as far as like pre-race routine you said you go and preview the course so that's usually day of so is that like you do breakfast kind of walk just walk us through your your race day yeah that's gonna that's gonna vary a lot but just depending you know sometimes you race at two sometimes race at four what the drive is this and that but yeah generally try and Eat, wake up, eat breakfast. It's it's pretty chill for me. Don't don't have to set an alarm these days, at least for most races. Yeah. Um, some people are into the morning spin. I'm not. I'm not super super into it. It sometimes I'll do it with my teammate or this and that. Just twenty minute easy spin. Really just depends on how much time we have. Try and load up, go to the race, get there. I don't know, roughly three hours before would be good for me. Okay. But like I said, it's not always me. Sometimes, you know, if the team's going and like the female athlete races an hour before us, then they want to be there, you know, three hours before. So now I'm there four hours before my race or whatever. So it's it's pretty flexible. But yeah, get there, try and kit up, go out on the course, at least see it once. Depending, you know, if it's dry, it's pretty simple. You just put your dry tires on you roughly know what pressure you're going to go but sometimes it's a lot more complicated and you have to go out and then either someone meets you in the pits or you do a lap come back to the the team tent switch tires change the pressure it is always nice when you have a a mechanic in the pits with a with a pump and a second set of tires it just makes it really easy you can just pull in and a minute later you're going down the the track with a different tire setup at a different pressure compared to finding your way all the way back to the team tent but yeah it just really depends try and finish that up i don't know an hour and a half two hours before uh so that way i have a little time to change or again make some more tweaks to the equipment pin up my number and then i try and get on the trainer about an hour before my race start the official gun and like i said 
anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes just depends you know sometimes you gotta run to the rest most of the time you have to run the restroom you futz him with a bottle or something so (laughs) and then you get off 15 minutes before so you know that's a 45 minute block but sometimes you only get half an hour riding in that 45 minutes because you're doing other stuff that's what i'm renowned and then race pretty much every Um, race we go to bryant uh ends up chatting with people so much that we get there an hour and a half early. And then all of a sudden we're like, Oh shit, we got to get to the start line. (laughs) (laughs) 10 minutes away. This isn't good. Uh, Yeah. No good at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I'm pre-riding and stuff, yeah. Chatting to people. But, uh, when I get on the trainer, that's, that's pretty, um, try and focus then. I mean, if someone comes up to me or, you know, if I have conversation with a teammate or this and that, but yeah, that I'm really trying to focus right then. So are you someone who like uh, is big on like kind of the mental side of the sport, you know, cycling, Mm -hmm. endurance sports in general, cyclocross, especially suffering is a huge, is a huge part of it. Is there certain (laughs) stuff that, that you're running through in your mind, like the mental approach to a race, like what? What does that look like for you? Are you someone that's just like, I'm going to block it out and go with like the old Jens Voigt and just say, shut up legs and go? No, I'm definitely, I'm definitely thinking about it. I don't have any, um, I don't really have like a, a phrase too much or any sort of like mental tricks I use, but I just, I just try and really focus. I'm trying to, um, think of through tactics how i think the race could go if i'm in this position what should i do something i've i'm not huge on visualization but i know like both nationals and worlds i've ridden those courses so much that like on the trainer i i I could visualize a lap through Mm -hmm. through all the corners and i think it's definitely something good to do and maybe try and add and keep doing that like make more of a habit of it is something i might try and do next next season nice so, uh, you know, think, speaking of tactics and stuff like that, uh, did you have, like, what was your game plan kind of leading into the world's race? Like, did you have like a specific place you wanted to try to make a move or what, you know, going into the start line, what was your, what was your kind of mental plan there? Well, I was second row there, so just trying to get to the front as much as I could off the start. And that went, that went reasonably well. And I didn't want to get to the front, but also like kind of fall in line down that big switchbacky downhill because yeah. you can, I think you could spend a lot of, a lot of energy trying to make like one pass right there, which, which wasn't worth it. And then I just, I just wanted to, to catch that lead group. And I was, I mean, I ended up in it eventually, but I think I was, I was a little far back and had to do a, quite a bit of chasing to to get there in the, the latter half of the first lap yeah but yeah that. before the race with a, a race like worlds it was there's a lot of characters me not being one of the favorites not really i was a bit at the whim of other people you know however fast that that front group went was how fast i was gonna have to try and go to stick with them and yeah i think it would have been nice to to crest the hill maybe three spots higher i think you could have made made it easier to make that group. Yeah, yeah that was pretty like much after my the... plan was just to try and follow the wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, when we were kind of talking through the court, we did like a little morning, morning of a uh, little podcast thing. And and for us, when we, obviously we, we weren't able to pre-ride it or anything, but it was like the whole shot seems super important on that one. Cause you got that downhill that came pretty quick which went straight into that long uphill. And it's like, if you're, if you're having to try mm-hmm. to move up spots on a hill, that's that hard, that steep, that long, it's like, man, that's going to be a, a, a gap grows just from being out of position there. And so our yeah, thought was like, it really depends on the, huge. it depends on the type of rider you are for me. Yeah. yeah the whole shot was big because I knew I wasn't going to be making up spots on that, that hill. I was more going to be trying to, to hold on to them. If you're, yeah. if you're strong enough, then yeah, I think you, you could have been fine to, to punch it up the side of the hill on that, uh, on that first lap. But you know, you're also spending matches then too. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, right, if, if Pidcock would have been pretty far down on that, that hill, I think he would have had, 
had enough in the tank to to gun it up that but but yeah. not all of us are pitcock <laughs> yeah yeah that guy hit them boosters he kind of <laughs> he he looked like he had a motor in that yeah, bike. He, did. Uh, <laughs> he was rolling uh, well let's let's talk about uh you know we've already been on for for a while now and in respect for your time here um what what does the next two to say five years look like so you know you're you're finishing up college getting your degree this year, right? Or what is, what does the next two to five look like? I mean, you had a big, what I've outside looking in seems like a pretty big breakthrough year for you with your results. Um, not only here, but also overseas. So what, what's it looking like for you? Yeah, this year was, was strong. I'm, I'm really pleased with how it went and I want to, I want to try and continue some of that success and, try and break through to that that next level and find some success at the elites i'm gonna i'm gonna keep going with my blue competition team i'm actually gonna right now i'm in grand junction colorado which for those that don't know that's west of the rockies and i'm gonna move to boulder which is on the east side so it's about four hours away just to be closer to the team and kind of there's i'm sure you've heard of it the the great community of athletes that are there trying to integrate with them uh unfortunately cyclocross is not doing amazingly financial wise uh for those don't know like the biggest team right in the u.s cannondale cyclocross just folded last week so there's not a ton of financial like job opportunities out there so i plan to work part-time to basically pay rent and buy groceries this at least this summer uh we'll see if i work during the season or not not sure about that and then yeah just work and race you know probably try and work like 20 25 hours a week so it's still manageable to train at the level that i need to um then i'm actually considering going back to oh do you have some oh go ahead i was gonna i was gonna uh ask oh, okay. if, if you were thinking about going with like a, you know, sometime in the U S sometime overseas, sort of a, a combo mm. platter. I mean, like okay. you mentioned U S stuff. I didn't mean to jump in on, on what you were saying. Oh, it's all good. Yeah. I'll just finish. So yeah, I'm considering going to, to grad school at CU Boulder. It's basically I've, I've been accepted. It's, it's more if I want to show up in the spring or not. I don't know schools school's all right but it's i don't know it's expensive <laughs> and it's not the funnest thing in the world but i i don't know my my parents would support me doing that so it would be it's an option and we'll see if i pursue it or not but yeah as far as the the splitting time i think for now i'm going to stay stateside at least based stateside and might try and spend more time in europe next year i spent 3 weeks over there uh last year in the in december and that might stretch to four or five this year and we're potentially talking about a a november block for like a week and a half or two weeks something like that but those details haven't been haven't been nailed down but yeah it would be it'd be based in in the states 90 percent of the time gotcha is that kind of like so so if we look say five years down the road is that something you're really hoping, you know, continue with the progression and ultimately you'd like to be lining up most weekends in Europe or just kind of, kind of let things organically go where they may. Yeah. Right now that's a, that's a a thought dream. Um, not so much reality right now. It, it would take a lot, I think to, to find European support. Yeah. At least at the level I'm at, I'd have to definitely, to make some leaps and bounds in that ability to, you know, be challenging for, for top tens or such at world cups, I think to, to break into the Europe European aspect or just find the right team, I guess. But yeah, right now that's not, not so much an option, but something I would, I would consider, I would consider moving to, to Belgium, the Netherlands, the, the motherland of cyclocross to to try and hone that craft a little more. Well, you're already used to the weather for Belgium, right? <laughs> if you're if you're coming yep, from like yep. the southwest, it'd be a little bit different story. That's one thing I wanted to ask. So, what are your wet, cold, nasty weather riding tips? Riding tips. Um, is it like just suck it up and get out there? I don't or know. Is it like, <laughs> I mean, a little bit, but 
I just try and, you know, you just try and get the right, get the right clothing on, try and keep the extremities. I don't know. I, I get cold feet and cold hands and that's not the funnest thing in the world. So, you know, riding with like booties on to keep your, your yeah. feet and nice warm gloves. And I always like the, the pocket rain jacket. Cause at least out here, you know, you'll ride and for an hour and it'll be dry and then it'll rain for 20 minutes and so if you can just sneak that rain jacket on to try and keep your your other layers somewhat dry and honestly i don't have the the greatest fender set up but try and try and get a, a rear fender on there if it's going to be too crazy so <clears throat> we kind of you know we kind of went into some detail on just how the cyclocross uh I guess community has kind of dwindled a bit over the last, I mean, I've seen it kind of dwindle to pretty much nothing, uh, over the last like 10 years. Um, so like what, what kind of, uh, recommendations would you have for like growing, the, re regrowing the sport in the U S I'm not sure. I think getting the, the USCX series that they had broadcasted was good. I think that that at least helps. Um, as far as grassroots stuff goes, I'm I'm not sure. I'm I've always been a racer. I try and volunteer when I can, help the you know help set up, tear down courses, and I don't know. It seems to be going reasonably well here in the Northwest. I don't know participation number wise. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I think I think gravel's definitely been been kind of stealing the spotlight a, a little sure. bit, which to be honest, I don't entirely understand because the cross bike came long before the gravel bike did, and it's just the <laughs> a little tweak. Yeah. And I don't know. I think I don't know. I think the from worlds basically, I've gathered that there's there's still a love and passion for elite level cyclocross sure. in the U.S. Oh, if that sure, many yeah. people show up and like cheered us on during a pandemic i mm -hmm. i think there's a passion for it and i don't know i don't know if it's the the cycling industry's just kind of giving it up for gravel or what it is but yeah i don't know i think i think it's still it's not definitely i think it's on the decline a little bit from its true true peak but i i don't think it's it's quite as bad as some people think it is yeah it's, i think it's mostly it's it's very regional like we it's just not it's never been huge here and then it goes from not real big to very yeah, little in memphis specifically but, yeah i mean there's in my opinion it is the best uh like spectator oh for sure discipline of cycling yeah. by far i mean we went to louisville in 2014 or was it whenever that was 13 whatever 15 <laughs> went to louisville for when it last came to worlds and literally we said when we left there if it ever comes back we're going yeah. and then when they announced it in fayetteville we were like count us in we're in yeah for sure yeah you, now you came up through a grassroots program didn't you kind of yeah like a, uh like rad racing yeah okay is yeah, that something was, you see as a... being a springboard for for cultivating and growing not only cyclocross but kind of cycling in general yeah junior junior programs are great uh i think i guess here an answer for the previous question would be to somehow pull some of the, the success of the the nike the national mountain mm -hmm. bike league high school mountain bike league into cyclocross sure. because i mean to be honest, they're basically racing cross on mountain bikes out there. I've yeah. never done an aqua race, but from what I've heard from people that like really ride mountain bikes, is they're like, "Oh, you could rail a cross bike around on like that stuff." So, I think it's pretty similar, and yeah. I think maybe that's that's a route that they could could pursue. And I think it's it's getting thousands of kids at least exposed to to cycling, whether they continue on with it or not. At least they're getting exposed to it. I know here in like. Washington, they can't have the the races where we have like traditional normal races because there's like too many people. They don't have parking, so yeah. it's gotcha. Yeah, even across Tennessee, yeah. Nike is Nike is huge. Yeah, Nike is big in Yeah, there's multiple teams here in Memphis, which is which is cool to see. So if you're uh, if you're a junior looking, you know, that's listening to this, that's that's listening to Scott Funston, 
wants to be where you're at right now, what would your, what would your steps be to say a, a 10 year old getting into riding? Oh, a 10 year old would just be to, to ride your bike. I mean, that's, that's what I did. I, I was lucky to have a yard with some property and like parent, we had like a little patch that had woods and it wasn't like nice manicured grass. So I'd go build jumps in that. I had a pump track. We had mountain bike trails, two blocks down the road that, you know, when I was 10, my parents, like, I mean, there was a lot of mountain bike trails, but there's like this little Ed's woods area that, you know, they're like, well, if you stay in Ed's woods, like you'll be fine. And so they'd let me go ride. Um, I didn't have like a ton of friends that I had some, like I'd, I'd see him occasionally, but it wasn't like I had any other kids in my neighborhood that I'd ride with. But I was just so stoked on riding that, you know, I just that's what I did um, for fun yeah. when, when school got out. Um, so, yeah, for like that age, pretty much that, that would be what I would do. And I'd say ride, ride all kinds of bikes, ride BMX bikes, ride road bikes or at least as much as you have access to you know not everyone can have six bikes but i think i think variety is is amazing yeah that's one thing uh so we we chatted with with uh johnny brown who was uh the the usa pro road race national champ in 2018 and he was 19 years old i think when he won it or 20 years old super young he was 24 not when he won that race but he uh his big thing has always been like, let's not get too serious and too crazy with a ton of structure for young kids. Like, let them ride their bikes and have fun. Like, let's eventually, if they're talented and they enjoy riding their bike, they're going to show that talent. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, at least for sure, like the 10 to 12 category, just, just ride bikes. And if you're going to do some sort of workout, like, just go find a friend and, like, race yourself race them up a hill like that's like the type of workout you need to be doing or something yeah for sure. i mean i like i said i think i got a coach and i was 15 15 or 16 is maybe like when you get a coach and i think if you have a good one they're like flexible and you know when you're when you're that age not, not having a fun day every week or you know this and that is is perfectly okay so yeah i wouldn't as long as far as long-term success yeah just getting exposed to a bunch of different stuff and like i said i really like racing so if you're like me just go ride your bike and then race your bike and i think racing is one of the best workouts you can do i mean how are you going to replicate a race in training you're you're not you (laughs) You just got to go race (laughs) yeah you have to learn to like you have to learn to love the sport before you start getting into that training to excel and training to improve all that stuff uh you know we've gone over that time and time again uh you know speaking of racing is the best workout we'll close it out with this what is your what's your favorite cyclocross specific workout to hit cyclocross specific well, favorite best because those those can be different things, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's say best because favorite's probably not going to be the one you want to do. Yeah, favorite and best are not the two same things, right? Or aren't, aren't necessarily the same thing when it comes to uh, a an ideal cross specific workout. So, what's what's your the best cyclocross specific workout? Best, I I think for me, I'm I like. I did some 30 second on 20 second off efforts this, this fall I would do, I think it was like six or seven of those in a set and I do three sets. And I think partly it's my favorite cause it's short and sweet. I mean, it's oh. an hour and 20 or something like when you throw a warm up in there and then like five minutes rest in between the sets, but like, you know, each set's only like four minutes long. And so it's, it's quick and easy. And I just like, whip out my door and head out to we just got like farm roads next or outside grand junction and just do 20 something miles on that and i'm back in an hour and a half and ready to to get onto that homework that i've got <laughs> get ready for that uh that lab the engineering lab you yeah. may have huh well, good yep. stuff, buddy. We we appreciate you uh, taking the time to meet with us. I I did want to know, you know, what it felt like being the number one fastest Funston. You already answered that for us. I will uh, hold my hopefully 
second play. I get apparently not if it comes down to to running though. His brother's gonna take me down too. I'm gonna be like the the fifth fastest We're Funston. Knock you off the podium here. I guess I can only take my family. But we appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. All the best uh, this coming year. We're going to be watching you, rooting you on from uh, from Memphis here. And Dale, close us out. Yeah. We appreciate you uh, giving your time. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening, watching, hanging out. We'll catch you guys next time. Adios. Peace.